Section 83 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 114 London, May 24th, Old Style, 1750 My dear friend, I received yesterday your letter of the 7th, the New Style, from Naples, to which place I find you have travelled, classically, critically, and a virtuoso. You did write, for whatever is worth seeing at all is worth seeing well, and better than most people see it. It is a poor and frivolous excuse, when anything curious is talked of that one has seen, to say, I saw it, but really I did not much mind it. Why did they go to see it, if they would not mind it? Or why not mind it when they saw it? Now that you are at Naples, you pass part of your time there, un honnête homme de garbato cavaliere, in the court of the best companies. I am told that strangers are received with the utmost hospitality at Prince is, que lui il faut bon cher, et que Madame la Princesse d'en cher en tire, mais que sa chair est plus que hazardie ou mortifiée même, which in plain English means that she is not only tender but rotten. If this be true, as I am pretty sure it is, one may say to her in a little sense, Juvenumque protis publix cura. Mr. Hart informs me that you are clothed in sumptuous apparel. A young fellow should be so, especially abroad, where fine clothes are so generally the fashion. Next to their being fine, they should be well made, and worn easily, for a man is only the less genteel for a fine coat, if in wearing it he shows a regard for it, and is not as easy in it as if it were a plain one. I thank you for your drawing, which I am impatient to see, and which I shall hang up in a new gallery that I am building at Blackheath, and very fond of, but I am still more impatient for another copy, which I wonder I have not yet received, I mean the copy of your countenance. I believe, were that a whole length, it would still fall a good deal shorter of the dimensions of the drawing after Domenicino, which you say is about eight feet high and I take you as well as myself to be of the family of the Piccolomini. Mr. Bathurst tells me that he thinks you rather taller than I am. If so, you may very possibly get up to five feet eight inches, which I would compound for, though I would wish you five feet ten. In truth, what do I not wish you that has a tendency to perfection? I say a tendency only, for absolute perfection is not in human nature, so that it would be idle to wish it but I am very willing to compound for your coming nearer to perfection than the generality of your contemporaries, without a compliment to you. I think you bid fair for that. Mr. Hart affirms, and if it were consistent with his character would, I believe, swear, that you have no vices of the heart. You have undoubtedly a stock of both ancient and modern learning, which I will venture to say nobody of your age has, and which must now daily increase. Do what you will." What, then, do you want toward that practicable degree of perfection which I wish you? Nothing but the knowledge, the turn, and the manners of the world. I mean the beau monde. These it is impossible that you can yet have quite right. They are not given, they must be learned. But then, on the other hand, it is impossible not to acquire them, if one has a mind to them, for they are acquired insensibly, by keeping good company, if one has but the least attention to their characters and manners. Every man becomes to a certain degree what the people he generally converses with are. He catches their air, their manners, and even their way of thinking. If he observes with attention, he will catch them soon, 
but if he does not, he will at long run contract them insensibly. I know nothing in the world but poetry that is not to be acquired by application and care. The sum total of this is a very comfortable one for you, as it plainly amounts to this in your favor, that you now want nothing but what even your pleasures, if they are liberal ones, will teach you. I congratulate both you and myself upon your being in such a situation, that accepting your exercises, nothing is now wanting but pleasure to complete you. Take them, but as I am sure you will, with people of the first fashion, wherever you are, and the business is done. Your exercises at Paris, which I am sure you will attend to, will supple and fashion your body, and the company you will keep there will, with some degree of observation on your part, soon give you their air, address, manners, in short, le ton de la bonne compagnie. Let not these considerations, however, make you vain. They are only between you and me, but, as they are very comfortable ones, they may justly give you a manly assurance, a firmness, a steadiness, without which a man can neither be well-bred, or in any light appear to advantage, or really what he is. They may justly remove all, timidity, awkward bashfulness, low diffidence of one's self, and mean, abject complacence to every or anybody's opinion. La Bruyere says, very truly, on ne vaut dans ce monde, que ce que l'on vaut valeur. It is a right principle to proceed upon in the world, taking care only to guard against the appearances and outward symptoms of vanity. Your whole, then, you see, turns upon the company you keep for the future. I have laid you in a variety of the best at Paris, where at your arrival you will find a cargo of letters to very different sorts of people, as beaux esprits, savants, et belles dames. These, if you will frequent them, will form you, not only by their examples, advice, and admonitions in private, as I have desired them to do, and consequently add to what you have the only one thing now needful. Pray tell me what Italian books you have read, and whether that language is now become familiar to you. Read Ariosto and Tasso through, and then you will have read all the Italian poets who, in my opinion, are worth reading. In all events, when you get to Paris, take a good Italian master to read Italian with you three times a week, not only to keep what you have already, which you would otherwise forget, but also to perfect you in the rest. It is a great pleasure, as well as a great advantage, to be able to speak to people of all nations, and well, in their own language. Aim at perfection in everything, though in most things it is unattainable. However, they who aim at it and persevere will come much nearer it, than those whose laziness and despondency make them give it up as unattainable. Magnus tamon exidit osis is a degree of praise which will always attend a noble and shining temerity, and a much better sign in a young fellow than serpere humi tutis niminium timidus procele. For men as well as women, born to be controlled, stoop to the forward and the bold. A man who sets out in the world with real timidity and diffidence has not an equal chance for it. He will be discouraged, put by, or trampled upon. But to succeed, a man, especially a young one, should have inward firmness, steadiness, and intrepidity, with exterior modesty and seeming diffidence. He must modestly, but resolutely, assert his own rights and privileges. Suavite in modo, but fortifie in re. He should have an apparent frankness and openness, but with inward caution and closeness. All these things will come to you by frequenting and observing good company. And by good company, I mean that sort of company which is called good company by everybody of that place. 
When all this is over, we shall meet, and then we will talk over, tete-a-tete, -tete, the various little finishing strokes which conversation and acquaintance occasionally suggest, and which cannot be methodically written. Tell Mr. Hart that I have received his two letters of the second and eighth new style, which as soon as I have received a third I will answer. Adieu, my dear, I find you will do. End of section 83. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.